Well, this evening I want us uh, to turn back uh, to Matthew's Gospel. Uh, We looked at the genealogy of uh, Jesus last Sunday, and I wanted us uh, to turn now to the occasion of Jesus' birth in Matthew chapter 1 as well. So I'll just be reading verses 18 to the end of the chapter. Matthew chapter 1 at verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Well, at this time of the year, uh, there will be many people exchanging uh, gifts, uh, people giving gifts and people receiving gifts. And when you think about gift exchange, uh, we may direct our attention to the giver. But every time a gift is given, there is also embedded in that a- action a decision on the part of the recipient that they will embrace the gift that is being offered to them. Uh, Sometimes that might be easier than other times. Perhaps they get a a surprising gift or a gift that they're not immediately excited about. But when we're given a gift, uh, we're, we're called to embrace it. We're called to appreciate it. We're called to be thankful uh, for the care and the thoughtfulness that is expressed through it. This evening, uh, we're looking at God's gift to us, uh, God's gift uh, to sinners in giving us a savior in Jesus Christ. And we want to look at the occasion of Jesus's birth uh, to understand not only the gift that is given, but to see the call to respond to that gift, uh, that it calls forth a certain response of embracing God's gift uh, and treasuring it ourselves. And so we want to look at, because God has given us a savior, uh, that we are to embrace him uh, with joy. We want to look at these verses this evening uh, in three thoughts. We want to think about the situation that Joseph is in, uh, a situation that is one of a dilemma, Uh, but also a situation that is uh, explained to him uh, through the declaration of an angel, and then a situation in which Joseph has to make a decision. And so we want to look at uh, the occasion of Jesus' birth through the lens of Joseph, how Joseph himself understands uh, what is taking place and how he responds to it uh, as well. Well, first, uh, we're told something about a dilemma. Uh, that Joseph was faced with. It tells us that the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother 
uh, Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And Joseph was uh, expecting to, that there were preparations for and arrangements that they would be married, him and Mary. Uh, and yet before this comes to fruition, Mary is with child. And Joseph is faced with a very painful situation because on the one hand, the woman that he was preparing to spend the rest of his life with appears to have been unfaithful to him. That his dreams, his expectations were being disrupted and dashed as it were. Uh, and all because of an unexpected development that Mary is with child. But it tells us here that as, Mo, uh, as Joseph is uh, processing what has happened, that being a just man, he resolved to put her away quietly or privately. Uh, in other words, he didn't want to uh, bring public shame to Mary. And he wasn't interested in a lawsuit against her. Rather, he was simply wanting to cut ties and to move on. That what has developed was something that was seen as a tragedy. Uh, it was seen as something of a heartache, uh, something uh, to grieve over. And Joseph was trying to turn the page and to move on. But it tells us that Joseph was continuing to mull over these things. Uh, while he was, uh, uh, he was resolved, uh, he was willing, he was uh, thinking he would d divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, uh, Joseph didn't have a sense of peace about what was happening. He's still thinking it over. He's still wrestling with what has just taken place. And as he's processing uh, this news of Mary being with child, it tells us that he had a confrontation uh, with an angel through a, a dream that he had. And this angel declares to Joseph a very different situation than what he was uh, conceiving himself. And so it is through this angel that he is, looked, he is faced with a very uh, different interpretation of what is taking place. In the Bible, we read of many people uh, that God spoke with by way of dreams. Uh, God can reveal himself in a variety of ways, and he has done that over time. Uh, we may not expect God to speak to us in dreams today, uh, because we have the, the fullness of God's revelation in Christ with the scriptures. But God can reveal himself any way he chooses. And if he wants, he can continue to re reveal himself even through dreams as well. And this is one of those occasions where God is speaking uh, to his people uh, by way of dreams. And he does it here uh, through this angel that comes to Joseph. And uh, as he comes to him, the angel uh, says to Joseph, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. He addresses Joseph first and foremost as Joseph, son of David. Now you remember last Sunday when we were looking at the genealogy that Joseph, his father isn't David. His father is Jacob. But he is addressed here as Joseph, son of David, in order to widen Joseph's scope of how he's looking at the situation. That instead of simply looking at the pain of what he is going through himself, this address here is reminding Joseph of who he is in the line of King David. 
that he is a descendant of Israel's promised king. The, the king who had uh, received God's promises about uh, an eternal kingdom. And so here, uh, the angel comes and addresses Joseph on that grounds. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary uh, as your wife. For that which is uh, conceived in her is by the power of the Spirit. That the child is from the Holy Spirit. This is not Mary's doing. Uh, this is the Lord's purposes unfolding. That this is God uh, intervening through the situation. And so uh, the angel says that this is God at work. And he explains why this has taken place. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will na uh, save his people from their sins. And then we're being confronted with something of an inconvenient truth. Uh, a dilemma that we each have to face ourselves in the way that we look at ourselves. This child is to be called Savior. He is to be called Jesus because he is going to save his people from their sins. The tendency of our heart is to assume, to assert that we are inherently good. That at our core, we are pure, innocent, upright. And we can look at many examples of good actions, of kindness that is being shown, especially at this time, where people show kindness and care and uh, do many good things. And yet it is a very limited picture of the human condition. That it does not take into account the totality of our existence. And it does not explain the presence of evil in this world. The scriptures give us a much more comprehensive picture of the human heart. That we are both creatures capable of doing great things. Being made in the image and likeness of God. And yet we are also people that are prone and able to do great wickedness as well. That our wickedness, our sin, is when we have crossed the boundary of God's will. That we have lived in opposition to God. And as a result, we ultimately express that hostility even to our neighbors. And that's what accounts for the disruption that we see in, in the outworking of social interactions. And so the Bible has always given this account that human beings are, are a complicated sort, that we are wonderful creatures, and yet we're also not what we are designed to be, that we have fallen from an even greater state, that, we, that, that sin shows us that we were designed for something greater. And so here, as the angel comes to Joseph and says, you will call this child Savior, you will call him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins, it's really forcing us to think about, do we need saving? And what do we need saving from? Do we have it all together? Or is there a problem that forces us to look outside of ourselves? The people of God in the Old Covenant were taught to look outside of themselves. That God is a God who saves his people. That, that salvation belongs to the Lord. And here, 
this angel communicates to Joseph, this child will accomplish that work. Now, not everyone looks for deliverance. Not everyone is longing to be rescued from their sin. Not everyone is preoccupied with uh, a concern about their own inherent guilt, uh, about the evil that they see within. Uh, One example of that is even what is alluded to here in the prophecy of Isaiah. 700 years before this event took place of the occasion of Jesus' birth, Isaiah was ministering in the days of King Ahaz. And that too was a very delicate time in history. Ahaz was faced with his own dilemma. He was faced with a, a dilemma because the Assyrian Empire was on the rise. And the Assyrians were known especially for their cruelty. And as the Assyrians are making their attack, Israel and Syria form a coalition to withstand this uh, attack. And they expect Judah to join them. Judah does not want to get involved in this. And as a result, Israel and Syria turn their attention on Judah. We will conquer them, then we will deal with the Assyrians. When Ahaz hears of this coalition, Israel and Syria have joined forces to come and to destroy us. It tells us that Ahaz's heart melted and that the, the men of Judah, their, their hearts were like the trees shaking in the wind. You think about how windy it is out this evening. Some of those, these trees that have barely withstood the hurricane, uh, are they going to make it through another strong wind uh, storm? Uh, Or are they going to come crashing down? This was the people of Judah in the days of Isaiah. They were filled with fear because they were faced with a dilemma that they couldn't save. It was beyond their ability. But Isaiah is sent by the Lord to this king and he tells the king it's not going to happen. These smoldering brands are not going to destroy you. God is in control. And Isaiah even says, ask a sign. Ask a sign to be convinced that salvation belongs to the Lord. But you remember, Ahaz wasn't interested in a sign. He was too busy trying to figure out a way out of his dilemma. How do I fix this myself? And so he says, I don't want a sign from you, Isaiah. And Isaiah says, then the Lord himself will give the sign. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah's prophecy was that salvation belongs to the Lord, and you will know this because a virgin will give birth to a son. Maybe you're sitting here this evening thinking, haven't we gotten beyond this? Haven't we become so enlightened that we... Uh, have moved beyond the belief in, in miracles, in, in virgins giving birth. But just stop and ask yourself, if that's where you're at, what is so difficult to believe about miracles or about the virgin birth? William Lane Craig uh, is an apologist, someone who may, is a defender of the Christian faith. 
And William Lane Craig once wrestled with this question himself uh, about the virgin birth. But he said, if you believe, if you grant that this world has a beginning, that it was created, that the galaxies that we see, the vastness of this creation had a beginning point, that God created all of this, then what is so difficult to believe that by the power of his word, God could bring forth a child in Mary? This, Craig says, is child's play in comparison. That really the idea of miracles only pushes us back to the reality, do we believe that there's a God who is all-powerful? Do we believe that this is what God would actually do? And here Isaiah is not only announcing a miracle, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. But more than that, Isaiah is announcing that the one who was born will be God with us. That he will embody the presence of God. That he will fulfill God's purposes of dwelling with his people. That he will be God with us. And so here this uh, prophecy of Isaiah that was granted hundreds of years beforehand uh, is now reaching its fulfillment uh, through the announcement of the angel. That God would come down and that he would come to save sinners. Maybe you've heard the story before of uh, in the mid-20th century when the Soviets were going up into space and we're told that there was one of their uh, um, astronauts, uh, Yuri Gagargan, uh, who went up into space. And afterwards, uh, the atheistic uh, nation, or the leaders of that nation, were saying, Gagarin went into space, and he didn't see God. C.S. Lewis responded when he heard that claim by saying, we cannot climb up to meet God of our own abilities. No more than Hamlet can climb up to the top of the theater to meet William Shakespeare. If Hamlet is going to meet Shakespeare, the only way that will happen is if Shakespeare enters the story of Hamlet. If Shakespeare writes himself into the story in order for that meeting to take place. And what we find in many authors is, is that when they write a story, they become enamored by the story that they're writing. And they will begin to write themselves into it. They want to interact with it. And what we're reading about here in the scriptures is, is that God purposed to write himself into the story, to enter into this world, that God wanted to dwell with his people. That God not only enters into our world, as it were, but God comes to rescue our story. God comes to rescue us from our sin. So Isaiah prophesies, salvation belongs to the Lord. And you will know this because the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. It's not just the miracle that is taking place that is significant. But what this child means, this child is God in the flesh. This child is God incarnate. 
And so as Joseph is wrestling with what has just developed, his relationship with Mary has been disrupted. His sense of confidence of Mary has been blown up. And now he is being told by this angel how to read the situation, to read it in light of God's purposes, to look at it in a wider context, to be able to remember that God's purposes was to save his people, to realize that this child is appointed to bring salvation from sin. And so we're told uh, 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 that this explanation comes to him uh, through uh, this angel. The world has been uh, tainted uh, by sin, and we need a savior. Ahaz, in Ahaz's own day, had a dual threat. He had Israel. He also had Syria. It was that coalition that intimidated him. But we live in a world where we can't ignore the fact that we see evil around us and evil within us. Sin. But we also live knowing that death is part of our experience. And that coalition of sin and death threatens to undo us. But we are meant to live in response, trusting in God's word, that salvation belongs to the Lord. That's what Ahaz was supposed to do. That's what Joseph was being challenged to do as well. This child, Joseph, is not a tragedy. This child, Joseph, is something to rejoice in. Don't cut off from Mary. Embrace Mary. Don't turn the page, but embrace what God has done. And so we're told that afterwards, in verse 24, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel uh, of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Joseph called the boy Jesus. That was an act of faith. Why did Joseph do it? Joseph did it because he knew he needed to be rescued. Joseph knew that he was a sinner. Joseph knew that he needed saving. He needed a savior. Joseph also knew the purposes of God. Joseph knew that God's purpose was always to dwell with his people. Joseph knew that God's purpose was to be uh, with his people. And that was part of his promises. It was there promised in Eden. It was there promised in the temple. It was there promised in Isaiah. God will be with his people. And now Joseph is seeing that it's through this child that God's purposes are being realized. That this child will bring salvation from sin. And ultimately that is what he does. Because he lays down his life in the place of sinners so that those who believe in him are reconciled with God. That their confidence, their strength, their hope is not in them themselves, but in the work of God. He will not let sin uh, have its effect, but rather he delivers his people uh, ultimately. Joseph calls his son Jesus. He calls him Savior because he believes in the purposes of God being fulfilled in him.
how do we respond to God's revelation? Maybe we're not having dreams. Maybe we're not hearing angels talk to us. But God's revelation has come to us in his word. We have, we have the fuller picture. And we're to live in response to that. We have a dilemma. We live surrounded and indwelt with sin. How do we deal with that? We have a declaration from God's word explaining to us our problem, but also explaining to us what God has done. God has given us a savior. God has given us Jesus who will save his people from their sins. But we have to decide if we're going to embrace that gift. We have to embrace what God has given to us if we are to partake of it. Joseph called his son Jesus. Can you call him Savior? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do pray that as we think over your word, uh, that we would be reminded of the many ways in which it shows us the glory of the Lord Jesus. We pray, Lord, that uh, as we contemplate Joseph's decision even to uh, take Mary as uh, his wife and to uh, name the child Jesus, we pray, Lord, that we would see it not only as an act of faith, but one that it makes sense of what is happening, one that is acknowledging uh, the totality of truth, both of our own needs, but also of your purposes. Help us, Lord, then uh, to uh, accept and to uh, be thankful uh, for the gift of salvation. And may you go before us in Jesus' name. Amen.